The RNLI is an extraordinary institution. It's much more than a life-saving charity. For many people and for many communities, being involved with the RNLI is a way of life that's run through families for generations. I'm Janet Legrand and I'm the chair of the RNLI. Like most people of my generation, my earliest memories of the RNLI probably come from Blue Peter. My mother came from Eastbourne and we spent a lot of time on the coast as children. I have a particular memory of the RNLI shop by the Wish Tower in Eastbourne. I think I bought an RNLI badge with my pocket money. The thing about the RNLI is it gets under your skin, I think, and it's a family. It's, it's a community, but it's like a family. And I, I really noticed that when I, um, when I did my first AGM um, and went on stage. Um, and you're a little bit apprehensive because you don't quite know what to expect. But it, it just felt like a family out there um, looking on and willing you to do well. It was a nice feeling. It's an enormous privilege for me to chair the charity. It's the best way that I can volunteer my skills and experience to support our mission of saving lives at sea. Although the day-to-day -day operations of the charity are run and managed by the chief executive and his executive team, they, they are in turn accountable to the board. We oversee their work, work with them to set the strategy and make sure that the charity is delivering on that and fulfilling its charitable purpose. So the board is legally responsible for the charity's affairs and I chair the board, all of whom are volunteers. As I started to get into the role and travel around the country to meet people, the first thing I was struck by was the passion with which people talk about the charity and the very strong place it has in the heart of many coastal communities. Early on, I visited several Scottish stations with Jill Hepburn and that really shone through. The other thing that came across strongly was the one crew ethos. It takes a community to support a lifeboat station with shore crew, shop staff and fundraisers as well as boat crew and they all play an important role in supporting one another. And I guess the third thing is longevity. I've met a lot of people who volunteered for the charity for many, many years. It gets under your skin and it becomes a, an important part of your life. There have been a lot of highlights in my first year. I joined my fellow trustee and coxswain of the Red Bay lifeboat, Paddy McLaughlin, as a guest of the Gaelic Athletic Association at Croke Park in July for the hurling semi-final. The GAA have a strong association with the RNLI, working together to raise water safety awareness across Ireland. And at half-time, the GAA players walked onto the pitch alongside our crew members and unfurled two massive flags, one with float for your life on it and the other with a massive picture of a lifeboat. It's not often that you get a standing ovation for a couple of flags. And then our float to live film was screened all around the stadium. It was a marvellous day. It was great to meet all of our volunteers beforehand, along with Anna Classen, who manages our operations in Ireland, and Gareth Morrison, who's our head of water safety. A really good weekend. Another highlight was attending the naming ceremony for the new lifeboat at Margate in September, when it seemed as though the whole town had turned out to see the new Atlantic 85 named and then launched. 
It happened to be the 30th year of volunteering for their lifeboat operations manager, Del Amas, and I was able to present him with a long service award. It was a real honour for me to do that, and I was delighted that it came as a complete surprise to him. I'm told that Del isn't often lost for words. When my predecessor as chair, Stuart Popham, was sadly taken ill, another of the trustees, Janet Cooper, stepped into the role of acting chair between July 22 and January 23. Janet did such a good job that the trustee board recruited another city lawyer named Janet to succeed her. But seriously, I'm the first woman to have the permanent position as chair of the charity as it steps into its 200th anniversary year. And I'm enormously proud of that. But I do look forward to a time when having women in senior roles doesn't need to be remarked upon. In 2008, I was the first woman senior partner of a global law firm, and now that's not so unusual. For the charity, I think my appointment is a helpful signalling of our commitment to encouraging more women into roles and careers in search and rescue. We do a lot around this. We're hosting the International Women in Search and Rescue Conference on International Women's Day, but we could always do more. It's worth noting, though, that the RNLI's executive team has a 50-50 gender split, and there are some teams within the RNLI, for example in fundraising, where women are in the majority. I'm a lawyer by profession. I've had a hugely enjoyable career, combining fascinating client mandates with senior leadership roles within DLA Piper, which is a global law firm where I was senior partner and board chair, leading the firm successfully through the global financial crisis. I specialised in international disputes, latterly for governments, and my last client mandate was leading the team resolving the maritime boundary dispute between Timor-Leste and Australia. My proudest moment was attending a reception at the United Nations at which the two states signed the Maritime Boundaries Treaty we'd negotiated. Beyond the law, I have a lot of governance experience, both in higher education and in the third sector. Before I became chair of the RNLI, I was chair of the Children's Society, and I'm also chair of the governing body of the University of Edinburgh. I think that focus on children and young people and youth education is very helpful as we seek to attract new and younger audiences through our 200th anniversary events. The nature of volunteering is changing, and we need to be alive to what younger people are looking for from the organisations they support. What particularly surprised me as I learned more about the RNLI was its complexity. It's a charity, but it's also an emergency service. It's a large engineering operation, and it's a training organisation whose water safety mission extends overseas. With 238 lifeboat stations across the UK and Ireland, and lifeguards on over 240 beaches, its infrastructure is huge. And even with so many dedicated volunteers, it's very expensive to operate, which is why everyone who gives money to support us is a lifesaver. I'm enormously proud to be at the helm of a charity commissioning 200 years of life saving. I've had a wonderful legal career, but for me, this is the most important thing I've done. I have the opportunity and the responsibility of leading the RNLI into its next 200 years of life saving and of ensuring that our future is sustainable and secure so we can continue to support new generations of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, risking their lives to save strangers. 
I can't think of a more purposeful thing to do. Hello, I'm Tom McGuire from Lockery Lifeboat Station. You've been listening to part of the RNLI's 200 Voices collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org forward slash 200 Voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.